keep it to yourself. Amen. Okay, so we are now ready for Barry Bennett. And Barry is a super blessing. Come up here, Barry. Barry and his wife, Betty Kay, I don't know their full story. These guys just came to us supernaturally. He had been a missionary in Chile, and I've heard that he had tremendous success in Chile, and great things happened. Then he came back, and he had a Spanish-speaking Bible school in Dallas. And even though they were very successful in all of this, they just felt drawn to this ministry. And so they came up here, and he answered our emails he was the one that if you sent in and had a theological question, Barry answered that for how long was it? Two years? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. And you know, one of the things that impressed me about Barry and Betty Kay is they never told anybody that they were ministers. They never said, you need me to minister. They never pushed the door open. They just served. They were faithful, faithful, faithful. And I think it was Gary Lukey that found out that Barry had done these things and invited him to minister in the school. And he just came in and ministered one class in the school. And the students gave him a standing ovation, bought more of his DVDs than any person that had ever come through the school. And he just became so popular that the next year we used him a little more. And now he's running our third year program. And I tell you, he's a powerful minister of the Word of God. And I love his humility. He's here to serve the Lord and not himself. And he's a, he's a godly man. You're going to be blessed this morning by Barry Bennett. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. Am I on? Yes. I know I'm on. Am I on? Okay. Praise the Lord. Well, this is a real treat, a real blessing to be here with you today. And I, I've shared with a few people, I feel like the bar has been set really high this week. So, I used antiperspirant. <laughs> the first thing I want to do is introduce my family. This is the first time that I've been able to speak in the presence of, of my whole family. So, if you don't mind, stand up. This is... My wife, my wife, Betty Kay, my oldest son, David, his wife, Lindsay, and my granddaughter, Holiday. Then there's my daughter, Leah, and my granddaughter, Milan, my son-in-law, Matthew, and my son, Daniel. And, So if you're paying attention, you can see there's still one place open. <laughs> so we are taking applications. All right. Praise God. Well, let me mention, first of all, before I get into the word that the Lord has put on my heart, I am the coordinator for the third year program, the ministry training program. And last year was our first uh, launch of this program, and it was actually a more com composite uh, program. We had everything in one year for all of the students. Uh, it's a ministry training program with a heavy emphasis on pastoral and church-related ministry. But we also included some business courses. We included uh, music and worship with Daniel Amstutz. Uh, we had some media-related courses. We had a, a, a lot of different things involved. And I was very pleased and very comfortable with the, with the program, and I thought it was going well. And then Andrew decided that it needs to be bigger. And so, so now I feel like I'm running to catch up again. We now have four schools, as you've heard, the School of Ministry, which will be very similar to what we did last year, the School of Business, the School of Media, and the School of Worship. And so we already have approximately 90 applications. We're expecting over 100 to be involved in this new program. This is for all that have graduated from the second year at some time in the past. Any graduate of any CBC of any second year program is eligible to come and be involved in our third year program. Uh, we also have students that have graduated from third year, but they're so excited about what we're offering. 
uh, that they will be coming back and doing a, another year in one of the specialty tracks. So this program, the School of Ministry, uh, is more geared toward the pastoral, but it really is for anyone that feels called to ministry, whether it be in a church or parachurch. Uh, we try to expose you as, to, uh, as many kinds of ministry as exist out there. And I've shared this many times, but had I had this third year when I went on the mission field, I would have been far more prepared. Let me, let me, and I've shared this story to the students, but let me share real quickly. My first role, my first action as a pastor, we'll say, I was in Santiago, Chile. We'd been in the south of Chile for three years. We moved to Santiago to take over a home group, which became a church. And we had just gotten there the first weekend in town. I really didn't even know the people. I had been to the building, which was actually a house that had been converted into a little church building. I'd been there one time. I was, we were completely fresh and new. I had never pastored. And I get a phone call, and the phone call is, someone has just passed away. They are lying in state in the church, and we want you to do the funeral. Now, what was interesting about this is that the person who had passed away wasn't a member of the church. He was a member of the mafia. <laughs> and he had died in Italy under mysterious circumstances, <laughs> had been shipped back to, to Santiago, Chile. And because his live-in girlfriend was a member of our church, I told you I didn't know any of this, they brought his body to the church. And they said, you're going to do the funeral for this mafia guy. Now, I was thinking exactly what you're thinking. God, please kill me. So, that didn't happen. God had other plans. I did do the funeral. Uh, the most interesting thing about it was that the funeral train, the cars, were about 40 cars long all filled with mafia from Chile. And I'm in the back seat between two people I don't know. Of one. And again, I was having the same thought. <laughs> but I say that to say this, that ministry has so many unexpected surprises. And I'm thinking now, if I'd only had third year. In, seriously, though, the, the program, especially the School of Ministry, is designed to expose you to as many kinds of ministry. We have many workshops. We have how to teach. We have public speaking opportunities, many public speaking opportunities. Uh, things as basic as how to make an outline. Things as basic as beginning Greek. Uh, children's ministry, marriage ministry, youth ministry, marriage in ministry. Every kind of ministry we can possibly uh, conceive of Great speakers come in locally and from outside of the area. Uh, it's a tremendous program that if you are feeling called to ministry at all, you will enjoy this program. It will be a blessing to your life. It will prepare you. It will expose you. And you will, you will sense a call of God, perhaps a more, uh, more accurate direction for your future. And we want to help pray you through that. So that would be the school of ministry we start up in... Uh, uh, registration Wednesday, August 31st. School starts first day after Labor Day. And away we go, and it's going to be a real blessing. Amen? All right. I want to talk to you today, and I think this is going to flow very well with what we just heard, about these lives, these directors whose lives were changed. And in many cases, they came here not knowing what they would be doing now. And if you had asked them, what will you be doing in X number of years? They really wouldn't have known exactly what, where they would be or what they would be doing. When I first got to Chile, we went to the south, to Concepcion. The city in the south actually was the city that was ravaged by that terrible earthquake a few years ago. And that's where we lived for the first three years. And probably my first day or two in the city, the pastor friend who was, we were going to work with, he took me to the, the main plaza of the city. Most Latin American cities have a plaza, the Plaza de Armas, and the city is usually built around that, and many functions happen there. And so we were walking through the city. We went through the plaza. We sat down on the side of the fountain, and we're looking at all of the people, and he was just talking to me and getting me orientated about, the, about life there. And we saw some gypsies. Now, I was new to this. I didn't know gypsies actually are all over the world, and there were some gypsies in the area. They travel up and down the length of Chile, 
as is their custom. And two female, two women, women gypsies were standing a ways off, and they were dressed in the traditional stereotypical garb that you would imagine. And they were huddled together talking to each other and looking at us as we sat on the side of the fountain. And as, uh, as, they, as they talked together, my friend said, they're, they're going to come over here. And I said, why? He says, just wait, you'll see. <laughs> and so they walked up to us, and they didn't, look, they didn't really go to me. I was obviously a gringo and didn't know anything. But they walked up to him. And one of them said, I can read your palm and tell you your future. Would you like to know your future? And he said, and he had a word of wisdom. This, I, boy, I wish I had thought of this. This was so, so classic. He said, I already know my future. Would you like to know yours? <laughs> and then he proceeded to witness to her. And it was funny. They, they got together, and one of them said to the other, I told you he had power. <laughs> But the idea about, now, of course, he was referring to his eternal life future. But if I were to ask you right now, what will you be doing in five years? Can you see your future? Can you tell me your future? Now, most of you, I can tell you what you're thinking. I See, I'm just I'm looking out here. I can read your minds. You're thinking, wait a minute. We don't even know who's going to be president in five years. We don't know what the price of oil will be. We don't know what the economy will be like. There are many, any number of things we have no idea. How could I possibly tell you what I will be doing in five years? Go with me to 2 Corinthians 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, let me ask the question again. What do you see in five years? Now we've changed the whole dynamic of this. We're not talking about who is president or what the economy is like. We're looking into the unseen. We're looking into who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you. We're looking into the eternal. Can you tell me with certainty, not necessarily where you will be, but who you will be in five years? What does your future look like? And that takes it into a different realm. In fact, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking the future really consists of four different elements. The future consists of thoughts you haven't thought yet. It consists of words you haven't spoken yet. And it consists of actions you haven't taken yet. And fourthly, it consists of circumstances that you don't know yet. But when you think about it, you control three of the four elements of the future. You control what you think, you control what you speak, you control what you do. Those are your decisions. Those are all future, and they, they touch the future, they create the future, and that would be the title I would give this today, Creating the Future. Look into your future five years from now. What are you creating Again, the circumstances, see, immediately when I say five years, everybody says, I don't know what five years is going to bring. I have no idea, nor do I. But I can tell you in five years what I will be doing. Where I'll be doing it, hopefully still here, but I will be doing this. Because I have been speaking this, thinking this, doing this for a long, long time. And my future is built on what I have sown in the past. Now, we might all be living in caves, and we might be glowing from radiation in five years. But I'll tell you this. I will have a nice cave, and I will have a very nice glow. Yeah? Our future, you determine your future. Now, some people, there's different ways we look at this. Some people say that 
God controls everything. Don't get me started. <laughs> I'm just like Andrew on that one. It's like giving a dog a bone. Uh, God doesn't control everything. He doesn't even control you. And you say you're spirit-filled. That usually wakes most people up. <laughs> the fact that you say you're possessed by the Holy Spirit, and yet you have to admit he doesn't control you. He tries to lead you and guide you. So if he can't control you, why do we think he controls everything? The second way people look at the world is that the devil controls everything. And there's a devil behind every bush, a demon in every situation. Everything is the devil this and the devil that. And yet we have verses, we have authority, we have revelation that shows us that we have authority over the devil. We submit to God, we resist the devil, he will flee. But the third way to look at things is to realize that God has given us authority over our lives, over our sphere of influence to create what his purpose is for us. We are creative beings. That's, that's where beautiful art comes from. That's where incredible buildings come from. That's where space shuttles come from. That's where all of the inventions that are in the earth, God put into man a divine ability to create, to imagine, to think, to follow vision, whether it be for good or for evil, that, that still exists in all of us. And the sad thing is, in many cases, in many Christians' lives, they have put their creative ability, their future creating ability on the shelf. And they are just living from circumstance to circumstance, being batted, batted by the, the, the waves of the sea, if you will, between one thing and another. And there is no creative ability in them anymore. It's, it's there, but you understand what I'm saying, that they have, they have lost that. They are not seeing the future with spiritual eyes. They're seeing the future with their natural eyes. But Paul said, looking not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. What do you see in your future? Yes. What do you see? The things that you control, your thought life, how are, how are your thoughts working toward your future? Amen. How are your words working toward your future? Your actions, what are they doing for your future? And we can think about this in terms of our families, in terms of our, our spouses, our children. They are under your care. Husbands I'm speaking to right now or, or single mothers. Your children are under your care. They are looking to you to sow into them their future. What are you sowing into them? What kinds of thoughts are you giving them to think about? What kinds of words are you speaking over them? What kinds of actions do they see you doing? Children will imitate. They will, that, that imprint is left upon them, what they see you doing. You are determining their future. Your future had a lot to do with the way you were raised. And we may or may not like that, but we can change. I, I, I came across a quote yesterday, the future begins today. The future begins today. You may not like what you've done in the past or the way things have turned out or where you are right now, but your future begins today. How are you going to, to deal with thoughts, words, actions, the circumstances? Some circumstances we can manipulate, we'll say. Some circumstances we can control, things within our sphere of influence. But in terms of the politics of the world, in terms of the economy, those things are pretty much out of our control. But they can't change your future if you are de dedicated to that future. If you're dedicated to, to doing what God wants you to do in your life. Let's think about how to create the future. As I said, the future are things we haven't thought, things we haven't said, things we haven't done. How can we create a better future? If you're married, turn to your spouse right now and say, we're going to create a better future. Do you mean it? How can you create? What, what kind of future do you see for yourself? Now, a lot of you, there's a lot of students here in, in Bible school now that two years, uh, they were here last year at the Summer Family Bible Conference. They didn't know they were going to be in Bible school. And now they are. And their lives are being changed. They were willing to step into a future looking at things that are not seen. They were willing to take a step of faith. They were willing to speak new words, have new thoughts, take actions, 
and now a new future, new circumstances are, are arising for them because they got out of the box, so to speak, and began to look into the unseen. How many have seen, I'll, I'll just throw this out there, one of my favorite movies is, is Groundhog Day. Don't judge me, all right? But what I like about the movie is that the, the main character, Bill Murray, and most of you know the story, he wakes up in the same day over and over and over and over and over again. He can't get out of that day. He's trapped in that day. In fact, some I've, I've done some reading about this, and some estimate that he lived that day perhaps 10 years, the same day, over and over and over. He became so familiar with the town, with the people, with the timing of every event, everything that was going on, he knew exactly what was going to happen. And yet his approach to the same day, the same people, the same situation, his approach changed every day and the outcome changed every day for him based on how he was going to approach the day. So the first, when he begins to realize he's stuck in time, he's stuck in the same day, obviously there's shock. When that wears off, then he moves into total carnality. And I'll just satisfy the flesh and, and do whatever. I can, I can rob the armored car. I can do whatever I want to do because I know everything. From there, he moves into frustration. From there, he moves into depression. From there, he becomes suicidal. But he's living the same day. He tries to kill himself any number of ways. Then he has some kind of an experience where he realizes that he's only been living for himself. He's only been looking to satisfy himself. And he begins to move in, in a different direction. And he tries to win the girl of his dreams. He tries to manipulate her. That doesn't work. And then he moves into a different level where he begins to enter into self-improvement. Learns to play the piano, learns to speak Russian, learns ice sculpting, which is very noble. And, but but self-improvement begins to happen. And then he moves into a different realm of self-sacrifice. And he's aware of every need in the town and exactly what time such and such is going to happen. And he makes sure he's there to avert some kind of problem or tragedy. And in that process that he's gone through of reliving the same day, he finally comes to a place where he understands really life is about love and about giving of yourself. And when he comes to that place, he moves into the next day. Now, the thing I like about this movie is that it shows you how many ways you can live the same day and have different outcomes. And I'm thinking as I'm looking out across the crowd, some of you are stuck in the same day. And you're living the same thing over and over and over. I know the calendar changes, but your experience isn't changing because you haven't created a future. You're stuck in the present. You're stuck in the same old job with the same old boss, and I don't want to go, and I'm stuck with this, and I'm stuck with that circumstances, and it's just the same thing over and over and over and over, and I'm sick of this life, and I don't know what to do, and that's why I'm here right now. I'm going to tell you what to do. You can create a new future for yourself. God has put that in you. And some of you that are stuck and, and didn't even consider coming to Bible school, you're sitting here right now, and that seed has been sown. Anyone got the seed sown in their heart? Brave enough to raise your hand? Look at that. See, a new future is already being sown into you. New thoughts are being thought. New words are being spoken. Let's look at some ideas here about the future. Go with me to Matthew 12:35. Matthew 12.35 says, A good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things. How many good people do we have in here? If, you, if you've been listening at all to Andrew and Arthur, you should know who you are. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth future. Your future, where is it? Your future is in your heart. You bring forth your future. 
based on your attitude, based on your eyes, what you are looking at, what you are seeing, what are you bringing forth for the future? What are you bringing forth for one year from now, five years from now, ten years from now? And it was such a blessing to me. Half my family left already. But <laughs> they get bored quickly. But no, it's my, my granddaughters, I'm sure. But, but I look at my family, and I realize, you know, and I look at that and say, how did this blessing happen? Well, I've got to be honest and say most of it was my wife. But, but we together created a future that has brought forth a family that is blessed. Every single one of them is blessed. Every single one of them has the favor of God. How did this, this was an accident? No. It was an effort on our part to see the unseen, to speak the blessing, to do things that would pr- create a future for them that creates a future at the same time for me. A good man out of the abundance of his heart brings forth. What are you bringing forth? What are you bringing forth? Now let's look at some future verses here. Go to, go to Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be what? Added. Isn't added, shall be added, isn't that future? So what you seek is forming your future. Seek ye first the kingdom, and all of these things shall be added. So the future has to do with addition has to do with growth, has to do with prosperity, it has to do with new things taking place if you're seeking first. So part of creating your future is seeking first His kingdom. Above all other things, I want a better future. I won't ask for a show of hands, but some of you are probably not real satisfied with your present. Your past isn't anything to write home about. And so you are here because you are looking for a new future. Seek first the kingdom and things will begin to be added Unto you. So the future has a lot to do with what you're seeking. All right, we already looked. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 4.18. And we'll do that real quick. 2 Corinthians 4.18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What are, now, we talked about what are you seeking. Now, what are you looking at? And what are you seeing? See, when you look at your spouse, you've got to be very careful here. When you look, let me put it differently. When you look at your marriage, what are you seeing? Are you seeing the temporal Or are you seeing beyond that into the eternal? What could this be? When you look at your children, what are you seeing? Everything is going to be determined by what you see. And if you're just seeing the present, if you're seeing the conflict, if you're seeing the the tearing of the relationship, if you're just seeing that, then you're not seeing with God's eyes. And your future is going to be pegged to what you're seeing with your natural eyes. But if you can get beyond that and see God's redemptive plan for this son or for this daughter or for this spouse, if you can see into the spirit, if you can see the potential, if you can see into the future, you can have it. You are creating your future by what you are seeing, not looking at the things which can be seen, not looking at the mess, not looking at the circumstances, looking through that, looking beyond that, looking into the eternal, the temporal can change. How many know that? Everything is temporal. Everything can change. But the eternal, God's redemptive plan, God's purpose for each person in your family, are you seeing those, those things? Let's talk about prayer. Go to Mark 11. Well, we'll start off talking about something else here. Mark 11, 23. Mark eleven twenty three. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say 
unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. Talking about the future. Your words bring forth the future. You shall have what you say without doubting in your heart. What you are proclaiming, what you are saying, I hate this job, I hate my boss, I hate my car, I hate my house, I just want out of this. You're preparing your future. In fact, you're staking your future to your present. You're chaining yourself to your present. Your words have power. The power of death and life are in the tongue. You speak, you prophesy according to the measure of your faith. How many of you have prophesied over your marriage? How many of you have prophesied over your children? Prophesied over your boss? Prophesied over your job? Prophesied over your circumstances? Prophesied over your mortgage? How many of you are taking authority over your circumstances and sowing into your future? That's how you create your future. You seek the kingdom. You see the unseen. You speak to the mountain. These are future things. And it shall be done. Go to the next verse. Matthew eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, future. What things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Future. Prayer is a function for the functions for the future. Prayer, birthing what God has put in your heart, birthing that which has been sown in you, that vision, that divine spark, that thing that God has said, this could be better, this could be great, this, your life could be changed, and you feel that, and you sense that word in your heart, and then you don't bring it to birth. That's where prayer. Sets the, sets the stage for your future. You believe, you receive, and you shall have future. Is this making sense? That we are the... I got the word coordinator because that's what I am, third year coordinator. We are the coordinators of our future. We are the administrators of our future. And some of you here right now didn't come here thinking about being world changers... But God thought about it. And that's getting sewn into you right now. You saw this group up on the stage. They're just normal people. If anybody's normal, it's me. I told you I like Groundhog Day. There's nothing special about me. But, but I've, been, I've, I've tapped into this years ago about how to create the future. Now, ten years ago, I'd never heard the name Andrew Womack. I could probably say seven years, eight years ago, I had never heard the name Andrew Womack. I couldn't tell you then I would be here now. But I was creating circumstances through my thoughts, my words, and my actions that opened the door to be here now. I couldn't have told you where I would be, but I could have told you I will be fruitful, I will be blessed, I will be happy. Amen? Amen. Go to Romans 12, too. Romans 12, too says... And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and the acceptable and perfect will of God. Your thought life. See, that's where most of us, that's as far as we get. Our thoughts defeat us. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What are you thinking about? Where does your mind go? Some of you, I would say, where, are you, where is your mind right now? Are you even listening to me? <laughs> See, that mind, we have to bring every thought captive. But your thought life is your future. Your thought life. Can you see yourself doing whatever it is that God has put in your heart? Man, I have seen, back when I was a trembling, skinnier, young man in the Lord, 
fearful of public speaking, hated crowds. When I was that person, still I was able to see this moment. I could see it, though I didn't want anything to do with it at the time. But I could see it. See, some of you are thinking, I'm not good enough. I'm not that person. I don't have gifts and talents. Man, God has put something in you that is way beyond. See, you're looking at the temporal. Get your eyes off the temporal. Get your eyes onto the eternal. Create your future. Create new thoughts. Create new words. Create new actions. Go to Second Corinthians or go to Philippians 4. How do we create our futures? Now, I'm not going to read this whole passage. I'm going to read the, the dessert at the end, and then I'll explain. Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. My God, what? Shall supply. Is that what? Future. Now, who is he saying this to? Hopefully most of you realize that this is promises being given to a group that was sacrificially and repeatedly giving to Paul. Sowing. Your giving creates your future. Your giving creates your future. How you sow. And I like this quote uh, from, of all people, Robert Louis Stevenson, author of Treasure Island. I love quotes. I'm, I'm always looking up quotes. But he said, don't judge your day by the harvest that you reap, but by the seeds that you sow. Man, that is profound. How are you judging your day? By what someone else has done for you? Or by what you've done for someone else? See, if we're on, the harvest will come, praise God. But what have you sown today? That's your future. What have you sown into someone's life? What kind of a, a prayer have you prayed? A smile you have given? A hug? A consolation? Something? Uh, money? You're sowing towards your future. My God shall supply. Seek ye first the kingdom. These things shall be added. Believe in your heart and it shall come to pass. Speak to the mountain and it shall move. You, are, are, is this getting through? That you can create your future. Circumstances, that's not the problem. The problem is in your heart. The good man out of a good heart, brings forth. What are you bringing forth? What are you bringing forth? Praise God. Abundant life depends upon the continual renewal of your energy and enthusiasm for the future. Abundant life depends upon the continual renewal of your energy and enthusiasm for the future. Let me talk to you about three enemies of your future. Three enemies of the future. Let's go to Philippians 3. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. It says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended... But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those, those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want to share with you three things that are hindering your future. I want to do them in reverse order. I press toward. I press toward. The first enemy of your future I call tired spiritual eyes. Tired spiritual eyes. You've taken your eyes off of the, the goal, the vision that God has put in your heart. You look at the temporal. You're completely focused on what's going on around you. You know that once upon a time God had something for you, but you've got tired spiritual eyes. What is it that you're looking at? There's a, another quote. Obstacles are the things that we see when we take our eyes off of Jesus. Obstacles are the things that we see when we take our eyes off of Jesus. 
I've had tired spiritual eyes before, probably everybody in this room, where you just sometimes want to chuck it all in. And then you get your eyes back on Jesus. And then you say, wait a minute, I'm not done yet. My race isn't run yet. What God has put in me is still there. It's still alive. It's still dynamic. It's still powerful. It's still divine. There is still a call. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. There is still, some of you perhaps have failed in something. And you've just closed your spiritual eyes and you're just living Groundhog Day. Over and over and over and over. Tired spiritual eyes. Paul says, I press. It's time for some of you guys to press. It's time for you to get up and to dust yourself off and to say, enough with this day. I'm moving on to the next day. I press forward. The next one, Philippians 3 again. Brethren, I count not myself to apprehend it, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Second enemy of your future, living in the past. Letting the past dictate your future. But I can't do this because of that. I'm chained to my past. I'm living in my past. Don't bother me. Don't try to bring healing to me from my grief. I like living in grief. I lost this, I lost that, I failed at this, I'm going to stay there. It's a pity party that I enjoy. Living in the past is keeping you and keeping God from using you to do what God wants to do. You cannot live in the past and stretch forth and press into the future. You can't live in the past and speak positive words. You can't live in the past and think positive thoughts. You can't live in the past and pray in faith to see things that shall come. You can't do it. It's impossible. You cannot live in the past and have a future. You're in your future. That's it. That's it. Don't live in the past. Some of us need some healing from the past. Some of us need to lift up our eyes and look beyond those temporal things. Get past the grief. Get past the, 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 the guilt of failure. We've all failed. I've failed. There are things that I would wish I could go back and redo. Believe me. we failed. But I don't live there. Amen. That's one thing. By God's grace, I have just learned to step out of that pile of stuff and, and get going again. I am just not going to live there. I refuse. Don't live in the past. That is an enemy of your future. Back to verse 13, Philippians 3. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Enemy of your future, divided focus. Broken focus is the root of all failure. Focusing on too many things. People that aren't settled in on that one thing. It's hard, it's, it's hard for me here sometimes because I appreciate all of the appreciation that I get from, from being a teacher here. And, but if you know me and if you're, or you want to get to know me, you'll know this sooner or later, that all I want to do is teach. And I'm getting invitations and I'm stuff and people, you should do this and you could do that and this and that and the other. And I just don't want to get off what my focus is. And I have learned over having years of divided focus, foci, I don't know the word. <laughs> I have learned that, that being scattered, being divided, trying to do everything, I can't do everything. Jesus already did everything. But I can do this. And once you settle in on that thing God has put in your heart, this one thing I do. So when my wife says, Barry, it's time to mow the lawn, I say, no, this one thing I do. The Bible comes in handy. This one thing I do. What is it that God has put in your heart? Now, I realize my marriage is my focus, my children are my focus, 
please, there's a balance. Please understand my context. But in terms of my direction for the future, this one thing I do, this one thing I do, not looking at what is seen, but looking at that which is unseen. There's an interesting verse, I think it's in 1 Corinthians. Paul says, a wide door for effectual ministry has been opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. And what I like, I almost preached that one today, but what I like about that is that the adversaries didn't determine whether the door was wide and effectual. He could have said there's a, a, apparently a wide door of effectual ministry, but not really because there's, there's adversaries, so I'm going to go somewhere else. Some of you are thinking, I see this Bible school thing. It's, it's, it's burning in my heart, it's, but, but I have many obligations. There are many adversaries. I have lots of stuff going on. And it may take you a year or two to get all of that wrapped up. But have you decided on this one thing? Are you going to change your thought life, change your, your speaking, change your prayer life? Is there going to be a future focus instead of a present reliving of the same mess day after day after day after day after day? What are you looking at? What are you seeing when you look at it? Are there enemies that are stopping you? Are you still living in the past? Do you have tired spiritual eyes? Are you focused? Your future is in your heart. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth and brings forth and brings forth and brings forth. And boy, if I were to stop and tell my testimony, which always makes me cry, (laughs) I would... I would say, how did this happen? How did this happen that people from all over the world are coming and saying, we love your teaching? I don't know how that happened, but I know that it happened because of the way I thought and the way I spoke and the way I acted, the way I have put forth a future, not knowing how the circumstances of how it would come to pass. But the foundation was laid, the vision was there, the focus was there, and now the circumstances, they're just piling on. I I can't even keep up with all this this going on. As Andrew was saying, you know, he he doesn't even know everything that goes on in the ministry. He can't keep up with it. It's just, it keeps growing, but it was all birthed in him bringing it forth from his heart with a future concept. What is your future concept? For your marriage, for your children, for your job, for your training, for your missionary activity, for the church you're going to pioneer. What kind of future is in your heart? How are you going to bring that forth? When are you going to start? Today would be a good day. Amen? I think I've run out of things to say. But I would like to pray for you. Please stand up. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, I just pray that this word would bear much fruit. I speak over every heart, Lord, over every seed that has been planted in the name of Jesus, that it would find good ground, that it would be taken seriously, that it would be evaluated, meditated upon, prayed over, and put to work. That every person in here would begin to look forward, not backward. Would begin to look to the future, not the past. And would see that there is something divine, some purpose, divine call and gifting, unique to each one that you want to see developed and bring forth. Everyone here has the capacity to bring forth good things. Father, I speak that over every single person here. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this environment of the word. Lord, that everyone here would have revived spiritual eyes. Hallelujah. Father, we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. Have a seat for just a second. Let me just say a couple of things and then we'll release you. 
But you know, for those of you that already have a vision and God has shown you what to do and you're, you're living what Barry was talking about, this is just like throwing gasoline on that fire. And it gets me fired up. But I know that there's many of you that this is brand new and God is just lighting a fire on the inside of you and you, you don't know exactly where to go. And there's many ways that we can follow what God leads us to do, but I would be remiss if I didn't point this out. And this is not intended to be self-serving, but it would be false humility on my part if I didn't tell this to you that this is what we are seeking to do is to change people's lives and to do this. And God has done a miraculous thing right here. And it really is miraculous. Just like Barry and Betty Kay coming to us, it was miraculous how God brought them, how he brought uh, Greg and Janice Moore and all of the people that we have, there is something supernatural happening here. God is bringing people from all over the world. And I'm just saying that this is the healthiest place that I know of to be sitting under this. You know, our Bible college is like one of these meetings for two and a half, three years. It changes people's lives. People come in one way and leave another way. And not everybody is called to be a full-time minister and stand behind a pulpit, but if you're called to be a husband or a wife or a parent or to work a job, I guarantee you, you come here, you will get fired up, you will have clear direction how to do it, and I'm just saying this is the healthiest place I know of. I think it would be good if every one of you came. I don't care what you're called to do, you do it better. So I just want to point out, some of you are fired up, and God is speaking to you. It was a powerful, powerful word, and you're thinking, how do, how do I follow through? How do I keep this enthusiasm? Uh, God has created an environment here that I guarantee you will help you to accomplish that. So if the Lord is speaking to you, another thing I've learned is that people will come to a conference, and because you're saturated under the Word and praise and worship, and you're around people who are loving God and seeking God, you get all fired up. You hear the Lord, and you start making some decisions. And then you get back home, and you get into the same old, same old, and watching the same junk on television, and doing the same things. And in a week or two, you say, well, I'm not sure that that was really God. You know, if you feel like the Lord is speaking to you about coming here for school or some other way of getting involved or doing something, you need to make some decisions now and apply what Barry was talking about Strike while the iron is hot. Because what you hear from God in the first few minutes, that's God. And then all of the thoughts that you have for the next month is the devil and the flesh trying to talk you out of it. So I just wanted to encourage you that, man, I know many of you were blessed and stirred up. And you need to make some decisions, whatever they are, and follow through with it. Amen. So... Faith without works is dead. Don't just sit here and get all stirred up and then do nothing with it. You need to make some decisions. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Well, let's take a break and be back at 11 o'clock. That will give you about 12 or 13 minutes, and then we'll come back for our final session.